My Mac Podcast number 251. This week, listener invite number three, Pastor Matt Larson. You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. And it is the 251st weekly episode of the MyMac.com podcast. It's the show that we like to talk about Apple, Mac, uh, turtles, horses, unicorns. No. Windows. No. Win- win- no. Well, actually, we like to talk about Windows, but usually it's uh, kind of derogatory because we all have experience in Windows. <laughs> yeah. So it's the voice of uh, reason. So this week, I, like I said right at the beginning, this is listener invite number three, and we've got Matt Larson with us. Hello, Matt. Hey, uh, I just lost you guys for about ten seconds there. So, did you ask me a question? Yeah, but you know we're not asking again, so sorry. Ah, no, uh, no. <laughs> yes. no, we didn't. Have a good one, Matt. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> so Great we have time. Matt Larson from Southern California, and uh, you are our third listener invite. Glad you could make it. Yeah, it's uh, great to be here, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. And we have Guy Searle, of course. Of course. Of course, of course. If a horse, a horse is a horse. Yeah, that's how it went. And yeah. uh, David Cohen from the UK. Good evening, all. I'm going to start saying from Tennessee, just to throw people off with the accent. Well, that, isn't that how people from Tennessee sound? I, I, I think they do. I'm not sure. <laughs> so it's been uh, a week since our last podcast. Last week was the big number 250 episode. And we didn't, you know... We didn't do nothing. anything really spectacular for it. No, nothing special. Uh, I think we probably will on the 300th episode, though. That, that'll that be fun. I, I don't know what we'll do yet, and I haven't broken out iCal to see when we'll be recording the 300th <laughs> episode, but we've got to It'll do something. Huge. Maybe maybe it, it might be worth trying to get someone like, uh, I don't know, Waz on the show or see if Gil Emilio would be interested in coming back on. Uh, maybe a, a special guest like that. Um I don't know. I have to think about, about it. How about Sean King? No. Probably not. <laughs> Especially if he listens to last week's show. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Uh, you know, I feel like if you guys did the whole 300th show in loincloths, maybe work out for a couple of months leading up to the 300th episode, then you could just kind of do some warrior-style yeah. screams. Yeah, there sure you go. I'm sure I'll watch and appreciate that. your body. I completely lost you there, guy. You were... You were somewhere in the background. Uh, I was saying it would probably take more than a few months to build up to a warrior body. Uh, no, it would take me a couple months, plus three years, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> plus or minus. You know, there was, a, there was some more news that we want to talk about last week on the show. One very interesting statistic that it kind of blew me away, and we didn't hit upon it, and I wanted to kick off the show and talk about this a little bit. Talking about Apple's quarterly... Uh, performance and all that one of the stories that came out is that apple has 91 market or 91 percent market share for a thousand dollar and up pcs now basically what that means guys is if a machine sold for more than a thousand dollars a computer sold for more than a thousand dollars nine out of ten of those is a mac that's huge. I think that says a lot about the PC market more than it has to say about the Apple market. What do you think, David? Uh, definitely. I mean, uh, we all know that PCs have gotten an awful lot cheaper over the last few years. I mean, just 
just two, three years ago, if you wanted a laptop of any description, you had to pay over $1,000. So, um, you know, the fact, the fact that the laptops have come down way below $1,000, and in fact, with the netbook, the rise of the netbooks, they've come down to, you know, just a few hundred dollars. I've heard that those, uh, those have actually kind of plateaued now. Well, you know, it's I, the, the, I think the netbook market is very complicated because there are so many different machines. I think actually one of the problems with it is not that people don't want to buy them; it's just they can't decide which one to buy, uh, and they're being they're being you know the the form factors and the specs are changing literally every week. Um, so I think that can be very confusing, and I suspect that's that's kind of at play. Um, in in the netbook space and and also as well those those machines are starting to be bundled with uh, 3G contracts, date wireless contracts and that sort of thing as well and given away in serial packets and all sorts of other things because they're so cheap. Um, but I think uh, that's the interesting thing. The PC market in general has moved down, you know, to the bottom. Uh, and you would normally think in that sort of environment that nobody could survive at the very top. Yeah, that's that would be the conventional wisdom, but it seems to me that just the opposite is happening. Now, Absolutely. L- l- let me ask you, Matt. Yeah, because you're an expert. <laughs> if you're on the show, you're an expert. Oh, of course. That's that's just the way it works. If you have a choice between, say, a, a twelve ninety nine MacBook Pro or a four ninety nine Dell, the specs being equal. Is is there a part of your mind that thinks you get what you pay for, and there's got to be a reason that that Dell is only four ninety nine? You know, this is a great question. I think I'm actually the expert on this particular <laughs> issue. Um, this time last year, I made the switch from a Dell to a to a Mac. It was my first time ever on a Mac platform. Um, in fact, I started listening to you guys in the podcast because I made the switch to a Mac, and I was like, I got to know all the little tips and tricks. So I went searching for Mac podcasts, and I got hooked on yours. Um, Honestly, when I looked at it, it's like I want a machine that I know in two years isn't going to be outdated. It isn't going to be broken down. It isn't going to be um, worthless. And everything that I've seen, everybody that owns a MacBook, MacBook Pro that I've talked to, you know, they're, they're three, four, five years into their machine, and they still love it like the day they bought it. And that I'd never seen that before in computing, and I, I wanted that, so that's why I went with a Mac. Well, on last week's show, I talked about upgrading my first-generation MacBook Pro, which I think is about four years old at this point. It's a uh, 200 megahertz, or <laughs> 200 megahertz. Well, that'd be a little slow, wouldn't it? It'd be more yeah. than that. That would be about a ten-year-old Mac Plus. Yeah, right after the Mac Plus. It's Mac portable, actually. Um, it, it's two gigahertz. And the hard drive was just a dog. It was really going bad, and I had major problems at the Macworld Expo this year with it. And I finally got around to replacing the drive just a couple weeks ago, and I actually went with a smaller drive. I went with a 120-gigabyte drive because I just don't keep a lot of stuff on it. But I went with a faster drive. I went with a 7200 RPM rather than the standard 5400 RPM. And quite honestly, you know, this is an older machine, but it seems like a brand-new machine to me. It's, It's very peppy. It's quick. Uh, and I'm happy with it, and I'm thinking maybe I don't need to get a new laptop right now. Yeah, yeah the t- temptation is always there. You know, there's always bigger, better, faster, stronger. Well, and- stronger is the thing. I, I, I want a new MacBook Pro, a 15-inch, because of that unibody design. Oh, it's beautiful, too. Uh, rub it in. That's what you got, isn't it? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. In fact, no? you know, I, I was going to tell you guys, I won uh, a couple of months ago. You you did a spec giveaway, and I won the case, and you said you knew my exact machine. I think we might have close to the same machine. I've got the 2.0 gigahertz 
Um, I bought it last year, but I bought it used uh, off of Craigslist, and so I think we've got pretty similar machines. Yep, sounds like it. You know, a, a newer hard drive, uh, a 7200 RPM, would really make that a lot faster, a lot peppier for you. If yeah. you're thinking about upgrading, but you just don't want to spend, you know, twelve, thirteen hundred dollars for a new machine. Yeah. Um, our sponsor, Otherworld Computing, has actually got um, what was it, three hundred gigahertz, something like that. For no, was it five hundred gigahertz? They, they, well, they have well, they have both uh, three twenty and five hundred. They had five hundred gigabyte running at seventy two hundred RPMs, eight megabyte cache. cache. No, less eight, than one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, less than one hundred fifty bucks. And I had never put a hard drive in one of these before, Matt. So uh, OWC also had these videos that I put on my iPhone that yeah. took me step by step, taking it apart, replacing the hard drive. They show you all the things you need to watch out for, and then putting it back together. And <laughs> so for 150 bucks, I mean, it's it, it's like a brand new machine. So you might want to consider that sometime here in the near future if you're thinking maybe it's time to upgrade. Just put a new hard drive in there. Trust me, and it's going to be faster. That's great. So other big news was that, you know, 91%, like I said, do you think that that's going to hurt Apple in the long run, David? I, no, I, I don't think so at all. I, I think this is, a, this is a textbook example of how to build a brand. Um, it's about creating an ecosystem rather than uh, just selling units. Um, you know, if you look at, look at the desktop line, if you look at what PCs sell, they sell uh, kind of the traditional three-box PC system with a, of a, a monitor, you know, some sort of a big ugly tower, tower uh, right. and then you know, and then you know the keyboard speakers, all of that sort of thing. What do Apple sell? They sell the Mac Mini, which you know, even if even if a, a tiny little machine like that is not really for you, I think everybody, uh, certainly everybody I've ever seen who's seen a Mac Mini, if I've been kind of playing one, around with one on a desk in front of them, has, has been in, incredibly impressed with, you know, the compact design of it, um, and you know Especially the kind of the new ones. exactly. Uh, then the, you've got the iMac. Now Apple is the only manufacturer in the world who can make a PC with a screen built in as an all-in-one unit and actually sell it. Yeah, no one else, else seems to be able to yeah. Sony's tried, HP tried, and these things like are white elephants. They just sit there in the store. Nobody wants them. Yeah, and, let's at, stop right there for a second. Yeah. I was in Sam's Club, and they had this, uh, I believe it was an HP, and it was kind of a sexy black thing, and it had this kind of a, a tilt to it, and it was a touch screen as well. And I stopped, and I looked at it, and it was over 1000 bucks. I think it was close to 2000 bucks. And it had a 23-inch uh, screen, and I played with it for a second, but it's still Windows, and it felt clunky. And the unit itself, while it looked sexy from afar, the closer you got, it kind of looked a little janky. I mean, it, it some of the plastic didn't look like it really fit together real well. And I asked the guy that was standing there, it was kind of his department, I said, are these things selling well? And he said, well, I've had that one in for, uh, I think he said like a month, and he hadn't sold a one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know HP also has, I, I think they sell a 19-inch all-in-one as well. And every time I've, I've been through, you know, the, the typical places where you see these, the Best Buys and so on, uh, nobody is standing anywhere near them. And no. you, you go past, especially at Best Buy, you go past the Apple section. And just like the Apple stores, even even if people aren't going to buy one, they're stopping to, to just to look at them because it's such an elegant design. Yeah. And, you know... You can say what you want about, you know, I mean, people are always making comparisons between 
Macs and PCs. Oh, Macs are more expensive for the same hardware. But you know, you know what? Looks do count. And Apple's design works, you know, the people that, that actually design these computers, they know what they're doing. And, and they've done a good job, and they've been firing on all cylinders for well over 10 years. And the, you know the truth is on that too. I think you look at a you look at a PC, and even if you like it, it's true. You can you can say just wait, and the price will come down three, four, five hundred bucks in a matter of months. You know that if you just wait. And so I think with with Apple setting their price points, being confident in their product, moving forward, just saying it is what it is. Pay the price, and you get the product, and it's beautiful, and you'll love everything about it. I think that says something about a their workmanship and what they do as a company but it also says something about the pc market that you know in in two months somebody's going to beat this and have a better product and so we're going to have to lower our price point in order to continue to sell uh to sell units i agree now the three of us here matt are a little you know we're old school when it comes to the max well not so much david he's still somewhat new but you're really a relatively new switcher Uh, when you first got your mac and after you know the 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 breaking in period. What was the one application or a couple applications maybe that really kind of caught your attention that you found yourself being drawn to that you couldn't find anything like it on the PC? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. The iLife suite is, is pretty incredible. Um, just as far as stuff that I've dreamt about doing, you know, I was a PC user for years. My dad had a, uh, you know, an old Hi8 deck that he would run into his PC that he would use Adobe Premiere like 1.0 to edit video. And he just had this entire system and it would crash every 30 seconds and just wipe out an entire video. I mean, it was hours upon hours upon hours. And we're talking, this is, you know, when I was in high school back in the early 90s. And, and we, you know, my friends and I would make home movies and it was just a beast to do this stuff. So that's my background. I pick up the Mac and I, I, I mean, honestly, I don't use iDVD that much, but to be able to no. plug in my camera and it just takes everything that's on my, my DV, you know, DV tape and makes a DVD out of it. Even that for digital backup and that easy, it was like, it was unbelievable. Um, so the, the main programs, the main uh, apps that I think I, I tend to use, you know, the creative suite is available on PC, but it's just, again, you can do this stuff without it crashing. Uh, I use iPhoto and iMovie quite a bit, uh, GarageBand. I do a little bit of podcasting, but it's mostly just putting messages and stuff that I've uh, that I've taught out on the internet. Um, right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I got into Pages. I got into iWork. I was kind of tired of um, Microsoft, the 08 one, and I think you guys kind of soiled my opinion of it. I kept listening to you, and you were talking about how bad it was, and then I started noticing how bad it was after you started talking about how bad it was. Yeah, um, in fact. In fact- <laughs> In fact, I saw that the, you know last week Microsoft released an, yet another patch for uh, for yeah. Office 2008, and it was it was like and again it was about four five hundred megabytes. That that program has had literally about three gigabytes of patches now to try and get it working. Yeah. Um, and I yeah I've given up on it now. It's just <laughs> kind of you know life's too short to keep keep putting it you know CD sized patches onto the program every uh, every few months. Well, and the nice the nice thing with iWork, uh, especially Pages, which is which is a very mature program now. Well, I guess Keynote is as well. Um, pretty much, whatever you throw at it, it it's going to take it. It's going to format it correctly, whether it's it's uh, pictures or PDFs or or whatever. It's, it's just gonna, intuitive. Yeah, it's yeah. going to suck it in. It's going to put it exactly where you want it to be. And, you know, we, we talked about this on an earlier podcast with Office. My son Guy 
was trying to use Microsoft Word for a school project, and it was making them crazy because it, it kept moving the graphics all over the place. And I finally convinced him to give Pages a try, and he hasn't used anything else since. Hmm. Hmm. I was like that with Apple Works, or Claire's Works. When I, when I first got my Mac, it came with Claire's Works. And, uh, you know, this was way back in the day. Yeah, System 8. Yeah, well, no, it was System 7. And I was amazed at all the little things that you could do with Claire's works. I remember drawing the little, remember the little squares that you could draw in, uh, in the drawing program in Claire's works and they had the painting stuff and you could paint. I spent hours on that. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to get a Mac now coming into it and having, you know, be able to create DVDs. And to me, that would just be. It would be mind blowing. Yeah, and you know, I came into this gradually with all these new apps. You know, when one's released, I get used to it, and then. But I've been into it for so long that I'm kind of jaded on it. I don't really appreciate the magic that these applications have. But just the iLife suite, the way that if I'm in one program, I can see libraries for another one. If if it's yeah. you know, yeah, there's all my pictures, there's all my movies, there's I, I just love that. But even even if it's not even if it's not integrated with the program, most everything is drag and drop. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. The other one is Handbrake. You guys turned me on to Handbrake, and <laughs> when I got my I got my iPhone in December, and I have just it's oh man, turning my whole library into digital stuff, putting it on external hard drives. If I'm going on a flight, I just chunk three or four movies onto my iPhone, take them with me. It is so beautiful. I love it. It's great. I you know that's one of the things that the Mac. And the PC, to, uh, to a certain extent, is really becoming the hub of our entertainment nowadays. Our music's there, our pictures, our movies, the television shows. It's really amazing, when you get, especially when you start getting a lot of hard drive space, uh, how much content you have at your fingertips. Yeah. Um, I still love my Apple TV, even though I'm having some um, connection problems with it lately after the last couple updates to iTunes and the Apple TV. I'm not quite sure which one's giving me fits, but... Um, even even with the the fits that I'm having, I still love my Apple TV, and with almost a terabyte of data now at my fingertips in the living room, and just content, TV shows, movies, some of my pictures, all my music, man, it's just it's so awesome to be able to just click a button and I'm watching something, and You're not having yeah. to go to the shelf and and search through uh, well, you know either VHS tapes or DVDs or exactly. Or I mean, I mean, this is the thing. You know, the other day. Um, Obviously, you know, we as people who've listened to on the podcast will, will know from me before, uh, we use our Apple TV to watch a lot of American TV content because it's hooked to an American iTunes account. Um, and the other day, you know, my wife said to me, she said, oh, you know what I've not seen for ages? America's Next Top Model. I really like that show. And uh, I said, okay, well, we'll get it on the Apple TV. And it was literally within five minutes. She had the first three episodes of the season down. Uh, and uh, while she was watching those, the rest came down. And she had the whole thing. In, in literally about you know half an hour forty five minutes, and it was just so convenient. We just didn't. We, all you have to do is think about it and pick up the remote, and you've got it done. And it's so convenient. But more than that, because it it does integrate with iTunes on your computer, you also have access to. I I I, I, I don't think I could count this high. Probably hundreds of thousands of hours of free content. Yeah. And podcasts. There's video podcasts, there's HD video podcasts you could download too, and as well as the audio stuff that you could download. And it's all at the finger. It's free. It doesn't cost you a dime. Yeah. 
You know, I, I get Joel McHale's little uh, three-minute clip of the soup. I think it's about once a week. And man, that cracks me up, and it's so much better than watching the whole show. I but, do that you know. with um, uh, G-Force TV X-Play because I like playing video games, but I never, yeah. ever watch the show. And I just, you know, I, I download the, the reviews of the games that I'm kind of interested in. It's just right there in iTunes. Click, boom, I watch it, I delete it, it's gone. It's great. I love it. It's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So I... So you do. You said you do have uh, an iPhone now. Yeah, just got into the iPhone in December. Could not love any single piece of equipment more than I love my iPhone, and well, maybe my computer. Now, getting a little bit into your your personal life. Now, I introduce you as Pastor Matt Larson. What's the deal with the pastor part? You know, it's uh, we're getting a church started out here in Thousand Oaks. I, this is where I'm from. Thousand Oaks, California, is a it's a beautiful place, and and. We just felt like this is where God was bringing us, and we needed to help the people that we know and love and care deeply about find their way back to God. So we're getting a whole new church started, and um, we're in the process of that right now. We actually don't launch till October. But, um, you know, as far as the computers are concerned, we've got two guys that are on staff with us, and they're they're both Mac aficionados as well. Actually, one of the guys we just confer- converted, which is uh, it's kind of fun to get him going on that. Converted um, how? <laughs> <laughs> well, he met Jesus, and then he met the Mac, okay. and now we're all set. So, um, but you know, it's it's pretty crazy to see. Um, we as a group, we just kind of made the decision. Okay, it's a little more expensive to do this, but we don't have time in our life and ministry to mess with the junk that I've had to mess with for the last. I've been doing ministry stuff for ten years, and. You know, when you want to make a make a flyer and you have to go to Microsoft Publisher and you have to try and figure out this printer network junk and get everything done. You know, it's like, all right, yeah. I spent three hours working on something that could and now does take 15 minutes. So uh, just evaluating, okay, what really all things considered, where do we want to spend our time? And it's not on tech support and trying to figure out how to make our, our junk work. My, uh, my niece, I, I want to say my... Uh sister-in-law but she's not but she's uh, one of my one of my sister-in-law's oldest daughter so she's an adult but she goes to a, a place called victory life church and we go there occasionally for the easter egg hunts and stuff like that yeah. and we her wedding was there and it really amazed me that the level of technical sophistication now this is a big church i mean this is i don't, I don't want to say it's a super church like i've seen in indiana places like that but it, it's a big facility yeah. And the level of sophistication blew me away, and they were all Macs as well. Hmm. And what they could do is taking their flyers and stuff like that, uh, they produce it for the print, and then they also take the same content and they produce it in video format that they project up on this huge wall. Yeah. And it was just amazing. And I was talking to the guy about it, and he says, well, wh- what we're also doing is we're releasing this stuff, um, the sermons, out as podcasts and iTunes, and yeah. a lot of our congregation, especially the ones who can't make it to church every week, is simply subscribing to it and downloading it. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a program called Pro Presenter that uh, is Mac only, and it's it's how you get your stuff from your computer to the projector. And it's amazing the level of intricacy and, uh, you know, you can you can weave in DVDs and video clips and you can have your entire music set, like with all the words and, and motion backgrounds and all of that stuff. Um, there are some unbelievable things that you can do. And now with a lot of the music, like people will be using um, Ableton's Live uh, Live 8 
on stage, the drummer will control these click track things, and so they'll be they'll time the the worship music essentially to the words that are coming up on the screen. It is just unbelievable the level of sophistication that you can do, um, and a lot of that is driven because of the dependency. You know, you can't have something that crashes on stage and to depend on that. So to have a to have a Mac that you can depend on is really pretty significant. I mean, I, I love it. Um, I was looking through our show notes from the podcast that we did at the Macworld Expo this year because there was one, and I'm not finding it now. Uh, no, 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 no. no, I'm not finding it. And, but they actually had uh, Bible software for the Mac, yeah. and they had these presentations that were built into the app that you could project. And the, he was giving me a demonstration on the stream floor, and I wish I could tell you the name of the app now because I think you'd be interested in it, but I'm not finding it. It's somewhere in all this. <laughs> I use one. I use a Bible software. Um, it's got two names. It goes by Logos, which is the Greek word for word. Or, you know, we use that to talk about the Bible. But it's also called Lebronics, and that's um, it's it's unbelievably complex. And they just released it on the Mac. It's been a PC product for the last ten years, and they released it on the Mac in beta. I jumped right on that. Um, so they they released that about a year ago, and then they just did the uh, the full release. Uh, I think in January. And it's it's great. It is absolutely amazing to see what you can do. You can search. You can have your Greek next to your Hebrew, next to your English, all of the different study tools that they've got. So you can really understand this stuff. I mean, it's it's technical and it's easy to use. Easy to use is the key, and that's not for just that application, but most applications on the Mac are just so simple to use. And yeah. it's amazing the the birth of different types of applications for almost every segment of business and religion and you name it, there's an application for it on the Macintosh nowadays and not necessarily just from big developers. There's a lot of small developers creating some really great stuff out there. I think, I think it was interesting what you were saying, Matt, about, um, you know, having, having, having something you can rely on. I mean, I would imagine that, that you know, in that sort of setting, the church setting, it, I mean, it was really all about the communication and the message, and you don't want the tools to kind of get in the way of of that of that communication. And if you look at how prevalent the Mac is in the creative industries generally, in music, in you know, a lot of bands use them on stage. Obviously, in, in the in the uh, you know the film and the TV industry, they they use not only for editing, but they're actually used on set to actually make things happen. And again, it's about that reliability and the fact that the tool is easy to use and it doesn't get in your way. Would you exactly. agree? Oh, oh, wholeheartedly. Um, you know, just in terms of what we do, there's so many more important things to us than you know the stuff that we use. But the tools have to get the job done. And they have to do it well, otherwise it's not worth it. I mean, the church would not be moving forward, technically speaking, if the stuff just kept getting in the way. And so I, I, this stuff just helps us get that out of the way so that we can use it and we can have fun with it. And, you know, it's interesting that I, I, I didn't want to talk too much church stuff on here because I don't know where you guys are at or where you're listening. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, that, uh, that's the whole point of the listener invite. We yeah, want right. to bring people in. Um, Give their experiences. Give their experiences, because there's also going to be a lot of people that listen to the show uh, that agree or disagree with, you know, a political view or religious view. Uh, yeah. But what we usually right. have in common is this technology that brings us all together as a community, and that community encompasses, you know, every religion. Yeah. You know, there is no boundaries. You know, people from all over the planet listen to the show. So, <laughs> and that's what I like about the listener invite that 
I don't have a whole lot of experience in the church, um, but I think it's very important to bring people in who do and that are using these kind of technologies because when it gets right down to it, this is a, a show about Macs and iPhones and Apple yeah. products. But I think it's really important to bring these kind of things into the show. I mean, along those lines, two things. Number one, um, the way that we use technology in the church is becoming less of an encumbrance, and it's actually becoming an act of worship. There are guys out there who are so capable and gifted at After Effects and Photoshop and some of these some of these programs that they can visually display. You know, it's interesting. Back in the Old Testament, guys would build. Uh, you know, they built the temple, and the, their their worksmanship was an offering to God. And so they would carve, you know, unbelievably intricate things into the walls of these of, of the temple that they built. Uh, and as we move forward, different worship has taken on a different expression. And now, technically speaking, guys will use what they do with music, what they do with, uh, you know, some of these visual programs to create unbelievably beautiful things. And they offer that as using their their talents and their resources and their abilities uh, to, to worship God. And it's just as profound, isn't it? At least it on is. a personal level, at least to them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's absolutely. fantastic. Uh, the second thing, I, you know, we are a brand new church, haven't actually even started yet. And the ability for us to start at the level that other churches have spent years getting to is so amazing. I mean, our website, you know, it's all flash with HTML back. There's a program called Show It that does web design. You know, it's a free program and then a dirt cheap whatever. So we're, we're creating content online that looks and feels and functions as good as, you know, some of the big churches and businesses and corporations out there. And we're paying 30 bucks a month and we've got, you know, I mean, it's it, my wife designed the website. So it's just it's amazing to see the tools that exist out there that um, make the cost go down and make the available. And you guys know this through podcasting. You're getting a message out there and all it costs you is the bandwidth, right? I mean, well, well, and then some. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, it's not cheap for me, but I mean, we push yeah. out a lot of data. But still, That's true. Uh, yeah. you you probably actually have a leg up from you know very established churches. Obviously, you don't have the budget that they do, but you're getting in, in into it at a time that the technology aspect is a lot cheaper than what they're going to have to pay to upgrade their equipment or you know take that older equipment and just limp it along a little bit longer. You can get the great stuff cheaply, well, not cheap, but inexpensively compared to what they had to pay just five, ten years ago. Absolutely. Now, what what used to be in an entire sound studio or an entire video editing room or all of that is on my MacBook Pro. Yeah, that's what uh, gets me. And it's not, you know, this is for, for the music industry, for the movie industry. They're using what essentially is a huge studio, and it's just on a laptop now. That's the power of the laptops nowadays. That you know, we're not doubling the processor speed every eighteen months. I think Moore's law has been broken. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but they're just becoming more efficient. The operating mm-hmm. system is more efficient. They're using other aspects of the computer to accomplish right, the same cores. tasks. More cores, uh, putting stuff on the GPU, stuff like that, that makes these machines so much more efficient that you don't have to spend so much money. Do you know? You realize how much this podcast, um, tech-wise, it would almost be impossible just 10 years ago. There's no way we can have such a clear conversation over free software. I mean, Skype is free. Yeah. Uh, GarageBand is recording everything on two different tracks. Uh, that was unheard of 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, plus, plus distribution. And, well, distribution goes without saying. Anybody can create anything that they want, and, and it's online nowadays. 
Well, and there's, I mean, there's a school called Reform Theological Seminary that has put their entire curriculum on iTunes U, and it's available for guys to get a seminary master's level education on iTunes U. Wow, that's and amazing. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it's like guys that are, and this is huge for people in other parts of the world where they just don't have access to the education. Well, they can get that through iTunes, and it could be, you know, some of it's free, some of it's paid, but... I, the access point is so easy. It doesn't matter where you are anymore. Exactly. And that's exactly. The, that's another thing about, and it's not just Macs, obviously, or PCs, but the, the more people that have access to information, the better this world's going to be. Uh, regardless of their religion, their nationality, their politics, you got to get the message out there, no matter what it is, to make people more intelligent and make more intelligent decisions and the internet is just i don't think most people realize the power of the internet yet i mean think about an iphone for instance um you pretty much have access to almost an answer to almost any question you could possibly think of no matter where you are who is that actor what's the song playing you know what's this i've got this rash what is that i can jump on webmd and find out i mean and it's just in the palm of your hand it's such a powerful tool and I don't think anybody other than Apple has really made it as easy to use. I mean, the iPhone just blows me away when you... I wish it had Flash, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the I, only thing. I was, I was struck by that uh, the other day. I, I was going to a hotel for a meeting, and I'd, um, I'd programmed the, the car sat now to get me to this hotel. And I got close to it, but obviously the postcode I used didn't really hit, hit exactly on where the hotel was. And, and I, would, I thought to myself afterwards, I thought ordinarily, uh, I was about half a mile away from where I needed to be. And ordinarily, you, I would have driven around aimlessly for probably about 15, 20 minutes trying to find where I was going to go. Then I probably would have stopped and asked somebody. Then had to go back to where I needed to be and then try and find, you know, find exactly where I needed to be. Whereas, you know, this time, as soon as I realized I was in the wrong place, I pulled up, pulled out the iPhone, pulled over to the side of the road, uh, looked up the exact place in Google Maps, saw exactly where I was and was able to just drive straight there. And, and I thought, you know, just just the amount of time I saved just with that one simple action. Yep, uh, and that's something that that you know a couple of years ago was just would would have just been completely infeasible. Absolutely. And speaking of the iPhone for a minute, it seems like we need to kind of go back and talk about the way apps are getting approved again. Uh, it seemed like Apple was starting to get pretty good at that, but now there's a lot more controversy if it's an, an adult-rated type of thing. Uh, those companies don't get review codes. Um, some things are getting. A lot of items are, are getting, I don't want to say a lot, but too many items are getting not approved in the iTunes store for whatever green reason. Light and then taken away. Yeah. It, it's. I, what do you think is going on, David? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of wonder about this, really. It almost seems to me like they've kind of pushed the responsibility for doing this to an external company, and the external company is not doing a great job. You know, It does seem to be very patchy. There's been these instances where somebody has a perfectly legitimate application that's been approved before, and then they launch a just a you know a, a bug fix or a software update to it, and uh, Apple refuses to take the update and says that the uh, application needs to be taken down. Yeah. It does seem to be kind of you know so in in some ways somewhat random depending on who's actually doing it. And what I wonder is is a you know does Apple really care about this? Um, is it is it worth their while, or are they not really bothered because 
the amount of noise it's generating is fairly low. And, and does that noise only exist within this kind of little sort of uh, tech blog bubble that sometimes we, we tend to live in? Probably. You know, you know, do, do the wider, you know, there's, there's selling millions and millions of iPhones uh, every quarter. Do the wider uh, iPhone and, and iPod Touch owners just don't really, don't really even notice the fact that this is going on? Uh, I would, I don't know, Matt, you're, you're an iPhone user. Do you follow the blogs out there about these apps that are getting rejected, or is that not on your radar? You know, that's not really on my radar. Um, I take what they uh, what they give me in the in the top free apps. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the top free apps. No, we're yeah. all there. I, I, hey, I'm a I'm a free app Pac Man. I mean, if it's free, I'll try it. What the heck? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I and I do. I go through quite a quite a few apps. Um, what was interesting to me to see is that uh, you know when 3.0 came out, there were a few apps that were uh, we were looking at that program I mentioned earlier, Pro Presenter. They the company created a remote to operate ProPresenter on a Wi-Fi network with your computer. So at church, you know, the pastor could be up front clicking through his slides on the, what's essentially PowerPoint, but a much more rich version of it. Um, And he could do that over the Wi-Fi network. Well, 3.0 came out and they had had some time to work on it and they worked on it and they submitted their update, but it took Apple a a few weeks. And this is a paid product and people are depending on it for church. And so their iPhone updated to 3.0, but the remote no longer worked. And so there was some stickiness there. And, it was interesting to see just the, the speed at which Apple was approving even the updates to 3.0. Uh, so I don't I, I don't know if that fits the same conversation, but I, absolutely, I, that's, yeah, that's because I think it does. Yep. Well, Go ahead, David. What's your perspective on that, Matt? Because you know, as a, as a as somebody in a Christian ministry, obviously one one of the things that Apple is trying to is trying to block with with this process is content that they deem to be inappropriate. And I'm presuming mm-hmm. that that's a uh, you know that them doing that is is a, a level of responsibility that that you as a, as a as a minister would support. Yeah, it's, you know it's an interesting world. Um, for me as a pastor, I um, I would love to see the world turning their lives over to Jesus, but I think that starts with hearts. I, I don't necessarily feel like somebody needs to guard the content. It's it's going to be each individual person's decision to follow Jesus, not not for corporations or companies to dictate what's appropriate. Yeah. What I what I value is the amount of kids that are getting iPhones, the amount of kids that are getting iPod Touches, and the ease of access, even with the parental controls. Man, kids know their way around that stuff. I've been in high school ministry for 10 years. They can get around anything we put on there. So uh, to have some level of oversight and accountability to that, to understand their audience, that it's a younger generation with a lot of freedom, I I, I appreciate it. Yeah. What do you think, Guy? Um. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all to find out that the, the people that are actually rating the apps and approving or disapproving the apps are most likely contractors to Apple and not actually Apple employees. Uh, I, I say that because it's always much easier to fire contractors than it is to fire salaried employees. You would know. So, yeah, I would know. <laughs> You're fired. So, yeah. Oh man. So you know that being said, when when one of these guys makes a mistake, you know Apple can can basically just call down to you know whatever company is doing this for them and say get rid of this guy. He made a big mistake and he's gone. Um, as far as parental controls go and and, and uh, adult content, it you know I, I think Matt is right that. You can't really stop anyone who wants to see adult content from from getting access to it. 
uh, it really comes back down to personal responsibility and and what you consider to be appropriate for yourself. But do you think that Apple has a responsibility to say, yes, this is approved, no, this is approved, based on whose moral compass? Somebody at Apple? Um, you know, that that's my only contention. I would have to say uh, no, that Apple really shouldn't be turning down applications based on... A prime example is an ebook reader that had access to the Kama Sutra. That was denied. But you can use be on the iPhone as an app. Yeah, but you can just go ahead and open and up Safari... On the and, iPhone and, and see on, it. On the iPhone and see the exact same material. Right, and so, I think that's a bigger question, whether Apple should be blocking that, and who at Apple is making those decisions... And does it well, make any sense to block something like that when, you know, I can use Safari on there and get it and view anything that I want? No, I, I don't think it makes any sense. I, I think Apple needs to stay out of the morality business. What do you think, Matt? Well, I was just going to say, I wonder if it has to do with volume. Uh, you know, if the volume of apps, I mean, we, we all know that the porn business is huge and the and the adult you know, industry is so significant. Entertainment, there you go, is yeah. so significant, and they have the money and resources to pour into development. They could take over the App Store pretty easily if Apple didn't monitor how many apps were being approved and all that kind of thing. So it could be that they just want to bounce. Because I'm, I'm even looking at, I'm on my iTunes right now, I'm looking at the lifestyle thing, and it looks like about 10 of the top 20 lifestyle paid apps are sexually related. Yeah. So it's like, well, there's... There's balance, but how many have they denied? Maybe they denied 12,000 over the last year, and they, they've kept the 400 that are, are in the um, App Store. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the Apple TV. Uh, we're getting a little long in the tooth on the show, and we're going to have to wrap real soon here. But I did want to talk about the Apple TV a little bit, and we mentioned it earlier in the show. One of the things that wasn't discussed in the financial report that Apple had uh, last week was sales for the Apple TV. They didn't mention it at all. In fact, I was watching Crankiest Geeks uh, with John C. Dvorak, and our friend Sam Levin was on the show. And (laughs) Sam Levin was actually on the show, and Sam brought it up on Crankiest Geeks. Is it Crankiest Geeks or? Cranky Geeks. Cranky Cranky Geeks. Geeks. I knew it was something like that. Uh, I don't watch it, but Sam sent me an email saying he was on it, so I went and watched it. And Sam did really well. He's got a spiffy new haircut. And... uh, he brought up the fact that Apple didn't mention the Apple TV. Uh, so we'll start with you, David. Do you think that this is bad news for the Apple TV, or do you think that there's only so much time and, and that they're going to be able to talk about the products during a conference call like this that it's just not really on the radar? Well, I suspect they didn't mention it because it's not a big earner for Apple at the moment. Um, you know, it, it is. I mean, Steve Jobs has said in the past that it's a hobby. Um, and it does seem to be, in terms of the way it's promoted and the way it's not the way it's not not promoted, um, and uh, the way it's kind of you know it's just another thing they do. I mean, it's it's kind of emphasised on their on their website and everything just as much as say the uh, Airport Extreme is or something like that or Time Machine um, or the Time Capsule device. It's just another thing they do, and it's not kind of being pushed forward. I, I just find myself wondering whether it's just going to stay like that, and they're happy with to you know to keep it there just as a thing they do, or whether it will you know be picked up and kind of changed and, and pushed forward, or whether it will fade away. I don't, I don't know really, but I th- it, as we've said before, it's one of those products that 
you know, it may not particularly appeal to you, but if you actually have one, you love it and you love it to death. Yeah. Do you have an Apple TV, Matt? No, my wife and I debated it. Um, we uh, we had a flood this last December, lost a bunch of our stuff, and we were oh, thinking about. Sorry about Ooh. that. Oh, that's a, you know, it is what it is. Um, and we were we were getting ready, and we had even saved up some money, and we're looking at it, and uh, it just came down to that it wasn't a DVR, and so we had a TiVo box. It was like, well, do we want TiVo and Apple TV? I don't know. Uh, I'm well, interested. You said you you converted all your stuff digitally, right? Yeah. Now, could you imagine sitting in your living room and having access to all that on your television? It would be really nice. Do you have an HD TV though? Yes, that uh, we had an old tube TV, and that got uh, doused in the flood, and uh, so Costco got us a beautiful new TV. <laughs> Catching flat panel. <laughs> <laughs> um, once you have an Apple TV, and, and to really reiterate what David said, once you have one, you get it, and yeah. you love it. And I would encourage you to get one, not because I'm going to make any money from it, but yeah. because I have one, and I. Even with the problems that I've been having recently, I love the Apple TV. It's it's so much better. I've got a DVR box from Comcast, and that's nice. If I see something coming on later that I want to watch, I can record it, and I don't have to stay up and watch it. Uh, I could set it up to record you know shows that I like to watch every week, and and like just recently, I I don't know why I don't own a dog, but I've been hooked on uh, the Dog Whisperer. You can laugh. <laughs> that's okay. Love the Dog Whisperer. I don't know why the guy's amazing with dogs. And uh, so I've set my, my box to record those. And it's great for that. But what about when I want to watch an entire series that I never watched before? Well, unless it's coming on on reruns and it's going to start at the very first episode, a DVR is really not the way to go. And the Apple TV allows me to simply buy an entire series, like David was saying earlier, and just watch it. And it, it's so nice. I, I love it. And yeah. you know what's really great about it uh, as, a, as a family guy I do a lot of videotaping now. Um, I was using my flips all the time. I don't break out the real expensive camera very often. I was using the flip, but now I'm using my iPhone to record everything. <laughs> and it's really great to be able to record a video and get home and say and say my wife didn't go with us. And I can literally sync my, my iPhone, convert the video over to the Apple TV, and she can watch it on the TV instantly. It's it's great. Instead of looking at this little screen where, you know, two or three people are trying to huddle around to see the little thing that I've got on my iPhone, they see it on the, you know, the, the big screen television. It's right there. You know, one of the uh, reasons that we ended up not buying one is that I just couldn't find a lot of information on it. Like, there just wasn't a lot to be known about it. You know, there was all this, right when we were looking, this was probably about four or five months ago, uh, Hulu was compatible and then it wasn't compatible or there was some weird stuff and I just I kept trying to find a decent yeah, amount of boxing. information that's yeah, yeah yeah again don't even know exactly what that is but it was just hard to really find any any good solid answers can it do this can it do that and you guys were about my only information on it and we ended up just it kind of fell to the wayside didn't buy one and yeah so that was kind of where it went so is, can you watch Hulu on it? <laughs> uh, what's, I don't know what the latest with Boxy is on the on the Apple TV. Uh, yeah, there's another hack that it's... Uh, well, no, I, I think it's not, it's broken. They were doing something with the RSS feed to, to kind of backdoor its way in, and then they also changed Boxy so it would read as a web browser rather than, you know, what it is. So I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look up what's going on with Boxy and the Apple TV because... I think right now it's not working. Okay. But I could be well, wrong. 
I, I think that you know the digital music is has kind of matured as as an overall market with between iTunes and some of the other services. But digital video, um, the, the people that own the content were much smarter business wise than the people that owned the content in digital music. And well, they got to they, to be well, fair. They, well, they got they got twenty twenty hindsight. They saw what happened in the music industry. Well, of course. Well, that's that's what I meant. And uh, I, I think everyone, because I mean, there's been there's been several different types or several different ways to watch digital content through your computer on your TV set for a while. You know, Windows has their solution. There's a Linux solution, and of course, between either a, a Mac Mini. Or an Apple TV, there's an Apple solution, but I, I think everyone is is kind of holding their breath to see what what you know the, the next shoe that's going to drop it. And uh, I, I don't think Apple is giving up on on the Apple TV. I, I think that there's there's major changes, and I think it's going to happen within the next year that Apple t- that Apple is either going to upgrade or update the Apple TV possibly into some kind of, of different product and it's going to be more as as far as the OS goes it's going to be more along the lines of of the iPhone that that they'll include ways to use the App Store along with iTunes through your Apple TV let me give you my uh, idea that I've been thinking about for a while now and I don't know if I mentioned it on the show or not I thought for a while it would make sense for Apple to just to come out with their own you know High def TVs with Apple TV built in. I think that would actually be a bad idea. I think a better idea would be for Apple to license the Apple TV technology yes. to flat screen makers already. Sony and Vizio and you know and the service Bio as well. Or, it, well, there is no real service. I mean, it well, would iTunes. simply be well. The iTunes is built into the iTunes to the Apple TV. So if they could have Apple TV on a chip on the TV. That has that takes advantage of the TV's built-in Wi-Fi because you're going to need that, or the, it's the Wi-Fi that's built into the Apple TV inside that TV. Um, that the TV could take advantage of the Apple TV's Wi-Fi either way, but it has to have Wi-Fi otherwise it's a moot point. I think that would be huge for Apple because even if they charge a nominal fee to license the technology to TV makers, the money for the Apple TV isn't in the device itself. It's in the content. It's in the content, and that's exactly what Apple proved with the iPod. For every iPod Apple sells, they make a, a decent chunk of change, but if you look at the profits they make for the digital content, that's where the real money is, and that's going to be where the real money is going forward. So if Apple could simply license that technology, and it's basically, I wouldn't even call it the Apple TV. I would say it's iTunes built into the TV, because let's be honest, that's really what the Apple TV It's iTunes in your living room. Right, and if that's built into your television, I think that would be a huge boon for both Apple, and personally, I think that the the companies that make televisions would jump at the chance. It's it's value added for them. Well, look at look at what both Microsoft and Nintendo have been doing with their online services, where there's you know you can buy these cards at Best Buy or whatever with a certain number of points, you or know, dollar value. Right, and this this is essentially trying to do the same thing that Apple did with digital audio content with through iTunes but applying it to video games. Now, there's no reason why 
that Apple couldn't extend what it is that they're already doing with iTunes and have a direct connection into the TV set, you know, directly there on the TV as compared to a separate box. It, it would just be a menu item on the TV itself. You go to the exactly. You go to, you go to iTunes on your in your television, and it talks to your computer. So any content you have in your iTunes, boom, it's right there on your television. And oh, exactly. guess what? You can rent movies. You can buy movies right there on your television. I think that would be a huge boon for the TV makers. It would, like I said, it'd be value added. They could advertise the crap out of it, and it, and and it would be fantastic. Especially if you could buy a TV, and the promotion is you get a fifty dollars iTunes gift card. Well, you, you've come around to my way of thinking on this, Tim. This is what I've been saying all along. I, I didn't think that they would do that. I didn't think it made any sense. But the more I thought about it, guy, you're right. I think that Apple should license that technology. Now, I don't think they should license the OS to other computer makers, that doesn't make any sense because Apple makes way more money on computer sales. And all we have to do is look at the figure that we talked about at the beginning of the show, Guy. 91% of, of over $1,000 right. computers are Apple computers. That's a huge markup, and that's hardware. Hardware, hardware, hardware. And that's where Apple in the past has typically made their money. And that's where and- they're going to continue to make their money because you got to look at how many people going into the Apple stores... Half of the people that go into Apple stores are buying a Mac for the first time. Yes. Apple doesn't but, get that much money if they simply license it to Dell, and Dell cranks out another four ninety nine box, and and Apple gets a hundred bucks on each sale. That's, but we're looking we're looking at we're looking at a shift, and it's it's been happening for a little while. As soon as Apple changed their name from Computers to uh, uh, Incorporated. You know, they're, they're de-emphasizing, and you talked about this when it first happened, they're de-emphasizing the, the computer part of, of what the company is. Only because of the iPod success at the time and the coming success, because you remember, they made that announcement at exactly the same time that they released the what? iPhone. That right. was that keynote. When Apple showed the iPhone, the last thing that they showed was they're dropping the computer from the name, Apple Incorporated. And that's because of the success of the iPod and rightly so the coming success of the iphone, the iPhone. right but that's that's not going to change anytime soon no. I mean, you know, both of these products uh the ipod in the past and, and the iphone and the ipod touch in the future is what's driving new customers to apple's door and it's something that no other company so far has been able to duplicate what if a what if the apple tv was built into a television and for the remote, you get an iPod Touch. That's the remote. That, that would work very well. It'd be a premium um, television, obviously, Matt. But yeah. you you would get an iPod Touch. That's your remote control for your television. Right, and yeah. instead of instead of it being infrared or, or whatever, it would all be done over Bluetooth. What do you think, Matt? I think it's great. I mean, I, the we don't currently pay for cable. Uh, we're, we are a uh, dark household. We have FiOS internet, but that's um, you know that was the priority even over even over cable. I'm with and you. <laughs> I, I, I just feel like you know paying for the shows that we want and not paying for the shows that we don't want is probably going to be more the future than just paying this standard flat rate and you watch or you just have a steady flow of stuff to your TV whether it's on or not. Um, well, I kind of like the idea of being able to turn on my TV and go back and watch seasons of Lost or seasons of you know The Office or whatever that is, at my leisure, at my at my pace, on my time, and I paid my dollar ninety nine per episode or whatever it is. I mean, it 
it, it, it seems like that could very well be the future of watching TV. Now, granted, having the iPhone and being able to control everything from there, it just... And that's that reverse halo effect, you know, where some people would buy the iPhone first and then get introduced to the Mac world. I bought the Mac computer, loved it so much. The only option for my next phone was an iPhone. So the second my Verizon, I, I actually jumped the shark. I jumped off of my I, or my Verizon contract early and paid the fee because I was so intrigued by by this, giving the, it an iPhone. I did the yeah. same thing with Altel. I was I wanted an iPhone and it was worth the two hundred dollars that Altel was going to penalize me for for breaking the contract, but it was totally worth it. I'll, yeah. I'll, you know, as, as long as Apple's making these phones and there's nothing else that's better, I'll stick with it. Yeah. Well, and, and that goes even further to say, okay, so now I've got a Mac computer that works perfectly, does everything I want it to do. I've got an iPhone that works perfectly, does everything I want it to do. Well, in the TV realm, can Mac carry over that same reputation? And you guys are saying it does, but for some reason, Apple hasn't really made a point to show the well, world that it does. And, and maybe I, that's because they're just. I, I think I think we're saying more along the lines of that Apple could, not so much that it does. Do, do yeah. you think that Apple could really succeed with the Apple TV guy or uh, David? Well, I, I think I think if they promoted it more, I think so. More, I just at all, they're not at promoting all. it at yeah. all. <laughs> but, but this is the thing. I, I just, I just, they, they haven't really pushed it forward. And I think, you know, it is a good product. It has everything. Um, the thing about it's interesting. You said about about you know you you were worried about it because it doesn't have a DVR. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I mean, I have a DVR um, separately to the Apple TV, and I like. I, I mean, you know, I, I couldn't live without the DVR. But I, I'm getting all my TV over the air. We, can, we get all our, our digital TV over the air here in the UK. We do here um, in the US now as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying to think. You know, could I could I live without the DVR? Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It, it's, I think it's a that, tough. But I, I think that that's that. I can understand why why some people are put off by that because it's just not. It isn't. It is not a one box solution. No. Uh, yeah. You know, and I and I think maybe. Maybe that could be the the key differentiator, really. If it was able to receive and process digital TV signals over the air and and via a cable box as well and DVR them as well as what it does with iTunes, um, then then maybe it would be more more interest to people. I don't know whether that type of device is of more interest to Apple because obviously, effectively, the box is competing with iTunes itself. Then at that point, so it's it's a it's a tough one. I think I think a big key is for Apple to get access to more television shows with an iTunes. If whatever you can watch on TV, you can buy a la carte in iTunes, I think that would be a huge thing. Or, or, he, or, or here's, here's, here's the thing, and I don't know whether they could ever do this because they've not had a good relationship with NBC, but if they could, um, if you could buy every month a season's pass for Hulu, and then Hulu became available through iTunes on the Apple TV. That would be awesome. Okay. That would be a game changer. Mm-hmm. I'd pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, I would too. Because at that point, you can go completely internet TV and not worry about um, about DVR. And I'm sure Comcast would be very happy with that. Delighted. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we all believe about Comcast. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had the problems in the past. I'm still using Comcast, but i got to say, they make one more huge blunder with me. And I'm dropping Comcast. And unfortunately, yeah. that means I lose my telephone, my cable, and my internet. But you know what? AT&T is here in town now, and they offer all of those same things. So, well, we've, I know you're interested in cutting this thing off. I just, I mean, that 
my my I'm 30 years old and I feel like beneath me that the years coming up I don't know that anybody is going to get a home phone when they get their own apartment, their own their own house. I mean, the amount of stuff we can do with cell and internet. Oh, I tell you, if if I didn't already have a phone, uh, a, a home phone, yeah, and I was phone. just starting out, I there's no way. Why? Yeah, I mean, the cell uh, phone let, is everything let, now. Yeah, let me just give you a very interesting example of that. Um, just to just finally wrap things up here, I cancelled my home phone line a couple of months ago and switched to Vonage. Mm. Um, for uh, for our phone, I've been very pleased with it. So all the all the telephone is going over a box that's going out of our internet connection. I had some billing problems when I cancelled that phone line from Virgin Media, who are the cable company, and they're the only cable company in the UK, so they have no competition. Um, and I had some problems with the billing, and I called them today to try and resolve those. And what they said to me was said, "Well, we can save you five pounds a month on your internet connection by re-enabling your phone line." Hmm. Uh, it's basically I, I'm paying £37 a month for my internet connection but if I reconnect the phone line with a number that I'm never going to use because I'm never going to plug a, a, a phone into that re-enabled phone line they can knock £5 a month off and obviously that's part, part of that is that they're trying to defend their phone line business yeah you know, I'll give you another example my um, stepmother and father my uh, Julie's mom and dad her parents by the way are a lot older. They're in their, uh, well, let's see, late 70s now. And uh, Julie's obviously the youngest child. And they've had a one of those pay-as-you-go pay cell phones for a long time, but they never turned the damn thing on. Uh, <laughs> and it's just the same. And it would drive us crazy, and, and uh, Julie's got, you know, five other brothers and sisters. And it would drive them crazy as well. It's like, why do you have a cell phone if you don't turn it on? So you always had to hope that they were at home if you called because that's the only phone they ever seemed to answer. So what happened was, and Julie and I were kind of bummed out that we didn't think of this before her sister Laura did. Laura simply added another phone line to her cell phone. And it was like 10 bucks extra a month. And because here in the United States, at least, you can uh, take your home phone number and make it your cell phone number. So they, they converted their home phone, that phone number, to their cell phone. And because that's their home phone now, they leave it on. And they also don't have to pay anything because, you know, like I said, my sister-in-law, Laura, uh, pays the 10 bucks extra for that phone line. So in essence, they, got, they have free telephone now. And he, Julie's dad wants to give her the 10 bucks a month, but she won't take it. <laughs> <laughs> So they, in a in essence, they get a free phone that's always with them, and with a car charger, it's always there. And her parents are always gone. They're the they're more active than I am at, at seventy five than <laughs> thirty nine, um, and they don't miss the home phone at all because they don't feel like they lost it. It's just has a greater distance, <laughs> if you will. It's always with them, and it's fantastic. And I think that. A lot of people are going to start going this route. You know, a lot of people, like my parents, have had the same phone number for, you know, 30 years, maybe even more. They don't want to change their phone number, and that's why they've always kind of shied away from a cell phone. If they can simply switch over to a cell phone for a cheaper rate, and I'm not talking an iPhone because my parents would be lost with an iPhone, just a, just a, a plain Jane number pad, that's all they really need. It's caller ID. 
at a cheaper price that can go with them no matter where they're at, I think a lot of people are going to go that route. And and like you said, Matt, for those just coming up, it doesn't make any sense to get a landline. Yeah, yeah. Hey, a quick point on the uh, elder generation with the iPhone. My wife's grandma recently got an iPhone because she likes the big numbers and she likes the ability to take the pictures and email them to her grandkids as often <laughs> as she wants and look at pictures of her grandkids. So I thought that was pretty crazy. My uh, you know, 70-something-year-old grandmother-in-law is an iPhone user. Yeah, it's amazing. This technology is really changing everything. and it's. I, do you think that the iPhone needs to be a little bit more simpler for uh, an older set, or do you think it's just fine the way it is? You know, if they just know the three functions that they need, push the phone button, dial the numbers, take a picture, shoot the email over, you know, it's it's easy enough to remember. Uh, they may never explore the App Store like we explore the App Store. They may never use all of the functionality that you can, but it does what they want it to do, and it does it extremely well, and it is pretty simple when you keep it to those few functions. Well, we're all iPhone users here, and so let's wrap up the show with uh, something that you've been using on your iPhone a lot that you really like. We'll start with you, Guy. Guy Searle. Is it just me or I'm not hearing Guy? Uh, I can't hear you. Can can you guys hear me now? We hear you now. Oh, somehow something got pushed on this stupid thing. Um, (laughs) As long as you don't say what uh, Lee said, your thing came out. No, 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 no. My my thing is intact. Okay, good. Um, uh, Something I I discovered kind of similar to flight control is, is another kind of dragon, you know, scroll across a screen game called Harbor Master. And it, it's, it's kind of like kind of like flight control where but you're you're moving boats around. Uh, one difference is after whatever it is that that boat is brought to whatever dock it's 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 in, you also have to at that point get it out of there without hitting any of the other boats that are in the area. So if you liked flight control, give Harbor Master a try. It's also a great game. Cool. What about you, uh, David? Uh, I got a new game that I've been uh, really hooked on. It's called Ragdoll Blaster. Ragdoll Blast- Blaster. This, uh, this is the one of the best games I've ever played in the iPhone. It's absolutely fantastic. You have a wait a minute. I got to write this down. Ragdoll Blaster. Yeah, you have a cannon that fires ragdolls, and you have to hit <laughs> a target. The whole thing is drawn. Is basically looks like it's drawn a piece of paper. So it looks like a child's. Uh, you know, kind of the sort of thing you you might doodle in a class, uh-huh. um, like a stick uh, figure type of thing. Exactly, yeah. But the you know, the thing is, it has a really hardcore physics engine built into the game. So you have all these puzzles. You've got to fire the ragdolls. You've got to get the angles right. Um, you've got to get the power right. Um, it's it's not it's not like turn based. It's you know it's it's like a real time action. And there's all these obstacles. You got you have these ragdolls. They're all tumbling, arms and legs going everywhere, trying Sounds to hilarious. get over the obstacles. It's a really great game, and it's insanely addictive. There's uh, a game on the PS3 that's kind of like that called Pain. Oh, I love that. I love that game. Guy, guy saw it here when he was oh, in Michigan. That's, I was... that's fun. So yeah, it's dollar ninety nine on iTunes, and uh, just there's a free version as well. Don't even bother the free version; just buy it because you'll love it. Matt, yeah, I've been uh, riding my bike quite a bit to stay in shape, and there's a uh, free app called IMap My Ride that does the GPS tracking. It keeps track of how far you went, what your exact route was on Google Maps, how fast you rode, and it'll even up- upload directly your your training log to their website, and so you can track all your all your fitness stuff. And, uh, you know, I just 
I'll open that up, or actually, I'll open up my iPod first, get the music going, then open up the IMAP My Ride app, get it started, stick it in my pocket, ride my bike for half an hour, 45 minutes, and then hop off and see what I did. And, and it's uh, oh, it's so much fun. I, I heard someone talking about this app, and it's something that I'm actually interested in getting. I could never remember the name of it, so I, I just typed it down so we could put it in the show notes. But uh, I heard someone mentioning this, that the only thing that they would like to add to that would be... Um, Markers. So, like, let's say they saw a, a, a mean dog that lives at this house, so they put a marker there, <laughs> so they know yeah. the route around it next time. Huh. I thought that you know, was kind of interesting. If they could ever, I don't know if they have access to this or not, but if they could ever get that to where you could just push the button on your headphones and that would just mark something, and you could write down later what it was or something like that. Oh yeah. man, that would be so genius. That sounds cool. Now, my pick. Um, do you know how much that is, by the way, Matt? Uh, free. It's for. <laughs> I don't know what well, I was I waiting for. That. <laughs> now, mine is uh, it's two games, but it's actually uh, the first game and then uh, version two of it came out as well. It's a totally different game. And I believe they're $1.99 games, but they might be $2.99. Uh, Sentinel and Sentinel 2 Earth Defense. Now, these are tower defense games, which I thought I was kind of over because I used to play a lot of tower defense on my original iPhone. And uh, I, I can't tell you how many hours I spent on... Uh, field runners. I mean, I I played field runners till I was wearing a hole through my screen. So I was kind of over the whole thing, you know. I, I don't want to play any more tower defense. But I kept visiting uh, Touch Arcade, which, by the way, if you guys are into iPhone gaming or iPod Touch gaming, go to toucharcade.com. Fantastic coverage. I mean, they they really get into the games there, and and they do a great job. I think they're probably the best iPhone game website out there. Uh, but Sentinel and Sentinel 2 Earth Defense, uh, really fun tower defense games. I've been into them big time. I beat all the maps, but now I'm going back to the, I, I think it's called Endurance, how long you can last. And it, it's kind of, it's a little bit different take. It's kind of got some RTS elements to it in that you can have these little guys that shore up your walls that are getting busted down by the bad guys. And they could also uh, gather some resources so you get more money and you could build up your defenses even better. It's very much strategy, and I really, really dig both of those games. So if you guys are into tower defense, um, this is definitely worth checking out. Graphics are fantastic. Sound is fantastic. They both have uh, built-in music, and they sound great. I like them a lot. Cool. So those are the iPod picks picks of the week. (laughs) So how's the storms going there right now, Guy? Got big storms coming in? Oh yeah, I'm. It is it is pouring rain here in the DC area. Lots of thunder strikes. I just had my my son peek in the door. I think my wife is is starting to freak out, thinking, "Oh, he shouldn't be on the computer with a big storm." And well, blah, 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 blah. well, just just take uh, Lee's advice and don't have your thing sticking out. That's right. Watch out for your thing. Yeah, don't don't pull it out. So we're gonna wrap up the show, Matt. We really appreciate you coming on the show this week. And, uh, you know, we're booked way into the future already, but I'd love to have you back sometime. Oh, man, I would love it. This is just a blast. So, absolutely, anytime. And you can attest to those who are out there thinking about, "Eh, I don't know if I want to do it or not. Uh, Pretty painless. Oh, yeah. No, it's fun. I mean, it's the best of all worlds because you get to interact with the podcast you listen to every week. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to be yelling at your speakers here in a couple weeks when you're not on the show. You'll be like, oh, I wish I I was on there right now. They're so wrong about that. (laughs) <laughs> Can't wait to uh, download it and 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> of course, I never say I hate you guys. I'm always like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then I got to go try it. I think I've bought probably 15 apps based on your all conversations and recommendations. So, uh, you know, I didn't want to turn this into the iPhone podcast, but it's it's so what's going on in the Mac world right now. It really is. And uh, it, it, probably everybody listening to this already has either an iPhone or an iPod Touch. And uh, I love the apps out there. I mean, it's Apple did a really smart thing, opening up this SDK for outside developers. I don't see another cell phone slash portable computer like this coming close to it anytime soon, simply because of the App Store. And I, I'm wasting more money on apps than I ever wasted <laughs> on Mac apps, I tell you, on a much more frequent basis. I bet you can yeah. attest to that, David. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when's the last time you actually bought a shareware program on the Mac? Um, I probably exactly. tweet, probably, yeah, probably Tweety was the last thing I bought, but that was a few months ago. Yeah, yep, same here. I bought Tweety. I liked it a lot. And uh, there's still a lot of good stuff on the Mac, and we're obviously going to keep talking about the Mac until this podcast dies. In the meantime, make sure you check out MyMac.com for all the latest reviews that we get posted. And remember, it's not just Mac stuff at MyMac.com. We have a lot of blogs from, you know, Larry and Guy and... Oh, you haven't been blogging too much, David or Guy. What's going on? Uh, no, just, just yeah. It, it's been it's been very busy at work. Well, uh, you know, it's also the podcast. When you come on a weekly show like we do, and we talk about this stuff, um, and you kind of gear your whole week towards Thursday night when we record the show. Right. That's when you talk about all the Mac stuff. That you know, come Monday or Tuesday, you're thinking more about what, this is what I'm going to talk about on the podcast rather than writing a blog about it. Well, yeah, for, but for, yeah, it is. Right. But you know, I, I wish I blogged more, and I'm, I must must try and find the time. I hope you do, David, because I, I think you're a, a really, really good writer. Uh, I don't think you get enough credit for that. I think most people know you because of the podcast, but I know you as a, a writer, and you're a great writer. I hope you do more, uh, Matt. We want to wish you all the best with starting up that church. Thanks. Make sure yeah. you convert everybody over to the Mac, and remember, <laughs> all you have to say. Jesus first Jesus, and then the well, Mac. Well, if Jesus came back today, he'd be a Mac user. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no question. He'd, a, he'd be bopping around on an iPhone. That's right. Hey, you guys mind if I share my uh, URL in case people no, are No, absolutely. In the Kick it out there. It's uh, www.jointheanthem.com. We're called Anthem Church in Thousand Oaks. Email me the URL, and I'll put it in the show notes. All right. And what's your Twitter? Uh, Twitter.com slash Matt underscore Larson. That's a hard one to remember. Yeah, it's Matt Larson. Just throw the underscore in. Somebody else had the full name. That's oh, cool. the imposters, I tell you. <laughs> exactly. You should have went the real Matt Larson. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay, cool. John. Guys, sir, all Twitter? Yeah, twitter.com slash MacParrot. And David Cohen? Mine is slash David B. Cohen. And mine is twitter.com slash, uh, let's see, what is it? Oh, my Mac. <laughs> and if you want to find me on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash mymac. So that's it for this week's. We want to thank Matt for coming on the show, Guy, David. Uh, appreciate you guys spending the time with us here this week. We do have uh, an opening slot, so if you want to get on the podcast as a listener invite, send an email to feedback at mymac.com. We do it over Skype. All we ask is that you wear our headphones and have somewhat a decent mic sometimes the one built into your computer will work but uh, if you have a better mic that would work even better for us and join us on the show be like matt kick back take off your shoes relax talk some mac stuff and have fun so we'll see you guys next week make sure you check out geekiestshowever.com
For Matt, Guy, and David, I'm Tim. See ya. Thanks for downloading and listening to the MyMac.com podcast. 